How many of you know there's a difference between hearing and listening? Lots of people hear. Not everybody listens. Uh, someone came up to us uh, Wednesday night, and they said, they kind of looked at me strange, and said, what are you doing here? I thought you left. <laughs> Made me feel great. Uh, I said, you know, this is not supposed to happen for a while. Don't run me off yet, you know. Well, they heard, but they didn't listen. You know, it's not till next year. But at the same time, what we've learned is that uh, people, if you say something, they hear it, but sometimes they're not paying attention. Sometimes they're not really thinking about it. Sometimes it kind of goes in one ear and goes out the other. But then the other thing that's interesting is that people receive things differently. You can have an event to happen, and you can have 50 people to watch that event, and they all watch the same event. And if you ask each of them, they would all have a little bit different interpretation of what happened because people have different perspectives. They see it differently. They hear it differently. And today we're going to continue the parable series and we're going to talk about the parable of the sower and the seed. And, and what Jesus was trying to let us see is that people receive the truth differently. They hear the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God, but they hear it in a little different way. It's interesting because in Matthew 13, is, is, this is the first parable in Matthew. Well, in fact... It's the first parable that Jesus taught. And what's interesting is that after Jesus taught this parable, we're going to read it in a moment, but after he taught this parable, the disciples asked him and they said, Lord, why are you going to talk to us? Why are you talking to us in parables? And what's interesting is what he said. And what he said really ministers to us. It it, it applies to us. He said this in Matthew 13, uh, verse 11. Look what he said. This is his answer. He said, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not, what? Listening. Even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's... This is why, that is why I use parables. They look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. So parables were designed for those who are really listening, really hungry, really desiring the truth. And someone asked me, they said, well, what about a fable? What's the difference between a parable and a fable? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, A parable is a true story from real life. And that true story is going to convey a spiritual truth. However, a fable is filled with things that are not true. A lot of times it has fantasy in it, make-believe things. So there's a lot of difference. And Jesus never used fables. He used parables, true stories. Things that really happen. 
filled with truth. But they were stories and they were designed to get our attention. But you'll notice here, he says, this is for those who will listen. And I've learned this over the years, that as you preach, that there will be a certain number of people who are really interested, listening, intent, focused. And it's amazing how much more you get out of what is said. My wife often joke about how that somebody will come up to me after a sermon sometimes and they say, oh, Brother Nay, I so appreciate what you said, this and this and this. And I'm thinking, I don't remember saying that. But what happened, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. The Holy Spirit used what was spoken, but God spoke to them something else. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to our heart. He helps us to see things. And so we're going to look at the parable of the sower and the seed. This is the first parable that he used. It's the first of seven parables in the book of Matthew. And they're all referred to as the parables of the kingdom because they all relate to the kingdom of God. And this one is unique. It's unique because not only did Jesus tell the parable, But then a few verses later, he actually gave us the interpretation. So we're going to look at both of those. We're going to look at the parable, and then we're going to look at his interpretation, and then we want to see what God has to say to us through this. So let's look at the parable. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Later that day, Jesus left the house, sat beside the lake, and a large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat. He sat there and taught the people. As uh, taught as the people stood on the shore. And he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow ground with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the s- soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen. There's that encouragement to listen and understand. Now, let's look at uh, verse 18, where Jesus actually gives us the interpretation. It kind of helps us to understand. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. The seed on the rocky ground represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. Or they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 even a hundred times as much as had been planted. 
Well, that's the parable and that is his explanation. I want us to hear and look at what is God saying to you and I? Because I believe firmly that everything Jesus taught, he had something he wanted to say to us. And I know this is 2,000 years old, but even though it's 2,000 years old, since it was God himself who spoke it, it has application for our life. So the first, the first is the type, the way we receive truth. And so I see four hearts here. The first is what I would call the hard heart, a hardened heart. The seed falls, but it's stolen. The enemy comes and takes it away. They don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't receive it. It just bounces off. You know, we live around a lot of people who have hardened hearts. What hardens a heart so much so that when the seed is sown to them, and you probably have some friends, you've spoken the truth to them, and they didn't like it, they didn't care for it, they didn't want it, they weren't interested in it, it just bounced off. And as soon as you said it, enemy stole it. Enemy just grabbed it and stole it. It had no impact in their life whatsoever. Sin hardens hearts. It always has. It has a blinding and a hardening impact in the life of every person. And the longer you indulge in sin, rebellion against God, the harder your heart becomes. And we live around a lot of people today. It seems like more and more. They're hardened hearts. You know, Jesus warned us. He told us that this would be something that would happen. And even in the book of Romans chapter 1, you see a reference to this type of hardening of hearts. It's in Romans chapter 1. It's verse 21 through 23. It says this. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds become dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols to make made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. They worship idols. They've rejected who God is. They've rejected the God that we understand, the God of the Bible. And they have decided they're going to serve things. They're going to worship things. And you know, when you, when you talk about God to this part person with a hardened heart, they are offended that you even believe in God. It's amazing. I was amazed uh, in one of the Capitol Hill hearings the other day that one of the men were being interviewed for a job one of the appointments that he had been appointed to, and and a well-known senator that ran for president began to berate this guy because he had Christian beliefs. Because he believed the Bible, because he believed in Jesus, he was made fun of. He was ridiculed. I, I sat there and listened to that. I said, I cannot believe this is actually happening. 
but it is symptomatic of our country today. There are many people that are just like it talks about in Romans chapter 1. Their hearts are hardened. They're foolish. Their, their minds are darkened. Their heart is hardened. And the gospel bounces off. The truth bounces off. They would rather have their sin. They love their sin more than they desire God. You know, if you were here today, I thought about this as I was preparing. I thought, Lord, what if we have people here today who are just like that? And it may be true. There may be somebody here for some reason. Even though you're not interested in the gospel, maybe you came to please somebody. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you're interested more so than you think you are. I have good news for you. God has been softening hearts for a long time. He is able to soften hardened hearts. Some of you are, and to prove that, think about this. There are some people here today that five years ago, you would never even have believed you would be in a church because your heart was so hardened. Maybe 10 years, maybe five years, whatever it was. But maybe you were at a point in your life where you were enjoying your sin, didn't want anybody to tell you what to do, didn't want anybody to correct you, didn't didn't want anybody to quote the Bible to you because your heart was hardened and you've fallen for Satan's lies thinking, I'm going to do my own thing and I don't want anybody giving me any, any interference then you are the type of person that Jesus refers to here. The hardened heart. A person where the seed hits and it doesn't take. Because there's a hardness there. But if you're that person, and you may have been that person somewhere in the past, if you're that person, God can soften your heart. You will just cry out to God and say, God, my heart is hard, but Lord, soften my heart. You have to get tired of the mess that sin has brought in your life. Now, sometimes people don't want to see our loved ones go through the messes they go through when they walk in sin. But believe me, sometimes it's the mess that is created in our life by our own sin that wakes us up. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son finally went home, turned, and his heart was softened. Why? Because he found himself in the pig pen, eating the pig slop. Sometimes it takes the consequences of our sin to wake us up and cause us to turn around and go back to our Heavenly Father. So the second part, the second illustration is the second type of heart, and it's what I call the shallow heart. You notice what Jesus said. He said, the seed would fall on an area, and there's just a little bit of soil. But underlying, there's some rock. And so it's a thin layer of soil, and it grows up quickly, but it doesn't have any roots, and so it fades as soon as the sun hits it. And he used the illustration, he used the explanation. He said, 
you know, some people get persecuted. Some people go through problems. Some people go through situations in their life. They, they, they have a problem with somebody, personal problems with somebody, and they fade quickly. You know, this is unfortunately characteristic of a lot of churches today. A lot of people that start great, they, they, they say, oh, yes, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. But, you know, you have to realize that becoming a Christian is, yes, it starts with the decision, but it also requires a lordship commitment and a long process of walking with God. There's the new birth. Yes, that begins, but there also is the walking out, the commitment, the lifestyle, the change in lifestyle that is required in order for it to really make a difference in our life. And the thing that we have to recognize, and that is that the enemy is looking to take advantage of shallow roots. Now, how, how, how do you develop deep roots? Well, you've got to get planted. If you're not planted... And to me, the planning is when we plant ourselves in a local church and we make that commitment, I'm going to learn about God. I'm going to have a body of believers around me to give some balance to my life and to speak into my life. And I'm going to learn of God. I'm going to learn about His Word. I'm going to have fellowship with the brethren. And I'm going to grow. And when I need to be corrected, I'll be willing to be corrected. Then deep roots begin to happen. But, you know, lots of people don't want deep roots. And people get easily offended. And I said this a couple of years ago, and I will repeat it. If I have not offended you, please be patient. I will get to you. It just takes time to work these things out. Now, beyond the humor in that, here's the truth. Offenses happen. Defenses happen. There's no way you can live life without offenses. People say things, they do things, you don't like it, you don't like the way they said it, whatever. The plan was is that we would let the life of Christ in us commit those offenses and let them go. Commit that offense, put that in God's hands, and walk away and not bring it back up again. But here is where the shallow heart begins to, unfortunately, it begins to affect people's lives. Because people, they become people who are easily offended. Now, I'm going to say something that's the truth. It may offend you, but it's still the truth. When you commit your life to Christ... You give up the right to be offended. I'm so happy you clapped. Because now, you will probably get the opportunity to put that into practice. I said this Wednesday night. If you weren't here, I'm going to say it again. We pray and ask God, change us, mold us, 
Make us who you want to be, Lord. Make my heart like you. Oh, God, I want to be like you. And so what will happen is that God will see to it. He will send somebody to you to offend you in a certain area so that you can learn to commit that to Christ, commit that to God, so that you will not get offended. You will choose not to be offended at what they they did so that you can be more like Him. Yes, I am saying God will send somebody to offend you. That is exactly what I'm saying. Because you love Him, and He loves you, and He wants us to improve. He wants us to be more like Him. How can He use us? How can we be productive for the kingdom of God if we're always offended at the least thing? Now, one of the advantages, or maybe you could call it a disadvantage, one of the advantages that we've seen over the years is that we, my wife and I have seen multiple, I guess hundreds of people, that they bounce from church to church, always getting offended. Somebody said something, somebody did something, they didn't like this, they didn't like, and they just bounce from church to church. And what they're made, they leave this church because they get offended. But then what happens, they go to a new church and they get offended there. And then they leave that church and they go to another church and guess what? They get offended there. Because people who offend you are everywhere. If people would just agree with you about everything and do everything you want them to the way you want them to, your life would be great. But you'd be spoiled rotten. See, the truth is, life is not about us. It's not about going our way. It's not about everything happening the way we want it to. And it's not about everybody saying things the way we want them to say it. You know, I've decided people just blurt out some things sometimes that really are offensive. And I've decided sometimes they don't really mean to say that. Has anybody in here ever gotten their mouth in gear before their brain engaged? And just ridiculous things came out? And then afterwards, you would think, that was a stupid thing to say. But you don't really want to admit that was stupid, so you just don't say anything. And they walk away thinking, I can't believe they said that. And then you walk away thinking, I can't believe I said that. Hey, it happens. The plan was that when we come to Christ, when we come to Jesus... We give up our right to be offended. And we believe that the kingdom of God is more important than having things our way. And so we let those offenses go. Say, Lord, I just release that. I say in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to worry about that. And I know it's maybe not a good illustration, but you have to be kind of like water off a duck's back. Just let it slide off. Move on with your life because before you get too upset at them doing that or them saying that, just realize you've probably done the same thing. And if you're a person here today and you're, you're easily offended, you have a shallow heart.
you're one of these people Jesus talked about. They don't have deep roots. And I want to encourage you to deepen your roots. Allow your roots to go down deeper so that you're tapped into His source so that when somebody offends you and they say something that you just don't like, you let it go. Pray for them and keep your joy. Smile at me. And if you're not good at this, God will give you plenty of opportunities <laughs> to improve in this area. Believe me. And I, I, Brother Ben asked me the other day, we went out for lunch. Uh, he and Estelle and Vicky and I went out and he said, okay, Brother and A said, hey, do you have any important words of wisdom to get ready for what's going to happen next year? My word to him, don't get offended. Don't get easily offended. Let things go. Develop thick skin. Don't get personally offended. It's one of the secrets of joy and life. Don't get offended. The third illustration that Jesus used here is very interesting. The tangled heart. I call it the tangled heart because he used the illustration of seed that went into good soil and it grew, but it got choked out by weeds, thorns, briars. It got choked out by things that were not productive. And if you've ever grown anything, if you've ever grown a garden, and you don't weed out the weeds, what happens? That's in South Louisiana. Everything else grows well. (laughs) And so what does it do? All those weeds and briars and thickets and everything else begin to soak the moisture and the nutrients and steal it away from what you wanted to be productive. And all the weeds are growing great and you're getting no tomatoes. That's the way it is. And so the warning is clear. Don't have a tangled heart. This describes a lot of the church of Jesus Christ in America today. They have tangled hearts. They start great. They receive the word of truth. They believe. They get in a local church. They love God, they study the Word, but they get so much involved in the world, yet tangled up in so much stuff that it chokes out everything productive. And it's interesting. Notice what Jesus said about these. He said they produce no fruit. No fruit. Didn't say they're not saved. Didn't say they're going to hell. But they produce no fruit. You know, the devil is looking to see to it that you produce no fruit. 
If he's not successful in getting you good and offended, then he will get you good and tangled. He will get you so tangled up and, and, and involved and busy with things that are not important. He will get you so wrapped up in the things of this world. He, Jesus referenced too. He said the cares of this world and the lure of riches, things, money. But those are not the only things you can get tangled up in. Notice this about Satan's name. And I put this in the notes. I want to repeat it. Satan's name is, it means slanderer. But that's only one part. It has a little fuller meaning. It means to divide. So if you took all of the meaning, he slanders to divide. Satan is a divider. If you're married and have a good marriage, guess what he wants to do? He wants to divide that marriage. If you have a good friend that loves God, guess what he wants to do? He wants to divide you between your friends. If you're in a good church, you're learning and walking in God's way, he wants you to divide, to separate from that church. Satan is a divider. He looks... For every opportunity, that's why he offends people. That's why he gets you so involved. And you know, Satan doesn't really care if it's offenses that divide you or if it's getting tangled in the affairs of this world. Whatever works causes you to not be productive. So I've learned one of the things when I'm talking with someone, if they're talking in a way that seeks to divide me from things that are good and pure and holy, then I know who that person represents. He's a divider. God wants your marriage to work. Husbands, you should never, ever do anything that would divide your family. You should never take an action... Or speak something that is divisive for your home and your family. I don't think you should ever even talk about or bring up the word divorce. It should not be on the table. It should not be uh, an option. You lay it down. And why? Because you've made a commitment before Christ to be married, to commit your life to that person. You have no options for divorce. But beyond that. Don't listen to things that would divide you. If you hear a voice saying, yeah, I think you ought to do this, and it divides you, that's the enemy. If you hear a voice that says, I want you to come together, I want you to be together, I want you to work these things out, I want you to love your husband, I want you to love your wife, that's God speaking. Good way to recognize who's speaking to you. Satan is a divider. We see people leave the church, walk away from God, get involved in all kinds of stuff. And you know, it's not that they say, I don't love God. It's just that they've gotten so busy. I've gotten so busy. 
I need to take the kids to soccer practice and I need to go do this and we've got to go do that and we've got to do this. You know, if it divides you from the church, I'm not for it. I encourage you. Be on guard for your heart. Now, the last illustration is the good illustration. It's the good part. He said, some seed, it falls on fertile soil. I call that the open heart. The open heart. That is a heart that is open and receptive to what God is saying. Remember, we began this verse, this lesson, what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 11 through the verse 13. He said, these parables are for people who are listening. Listening. And so if you listen, what God is doing then you have an open heart and you say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want you to speak to my heart. I want to do those things that please and honor you. If you will have an open heart with what God wants to do in your life and not harden your heart, not have a shallow heart, not have a tangled heart, if you will have an open heart, God is able to do the things that he wants to do in your life. And you notice the result of this. He said, you will have fruit in your life. You will have 30 and 60 and sometimes a hundredfold increase from what has been planted. If you will have an open heart, God won't produce much fruit in your life. He wants to produce fruit for his kingdom. Now... Which heart do you have? Which are you? Are you a hardened heart? Are you a shallow heart? Are you a tangled heart? Or do you have an open heart? Truth is, you have one of them. You have one of them. No matter where you are, God can bring you to work from where you are to an open heart. One last passage I want to read to you in Ezekiel 36, one of my favorite verses. He says this in Ezekiel 36, verse 25. He says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I love this part and I will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart some of you here today you need a heart transplant you need a heart transplant you 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 know, that stony, stubborn heart, it's just going to give you trouble. It'll hurt your marriage. It'd be hard for you to have a wholesome marriage if you've got a stubborn, stony heart. And then verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. He's going to cause you to walk in his ways. He's going to speak to you. He's going to cause you to walk in his ways. But first, you've got to get rid of the hard heart. And 
say, God, I need a new heart. You know, maybe you need to be born again today. But, you know, maybe you've just allowed yourself to come to a point to where you're not receptive to God. And it could be a hardened heart. It could be shallow and you're easily offended. It could be you're just choked out by all the other stuff in life. I feel the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, He wants you to make a decision today to say, Lord, take out that old heart and give me a brand new heart. Make me a brand new person. Maybe maybe you've been coming to church for years. Maybe when you were young, maybe years ago, maybe you gave your heart to Jesus, but you've just been choked out. You've allowed the world to choke you, get you tangled up, and you're producing no fruit. Today, God wants to give you a new heart. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know where every person is here today. Lord, 2,000 years ago, you used this illustration as a parable. Lord, you wanted to speak to us today about our heart. And Lord, I pray that this morning, wherever we are, whether we have a hardened heart, a shallow heart, a tangled heart, Lord, whatever it is, I pray that today we would receive the promise of Ezekiel 36 where you would take out the old heart and give us a new one. Help us to start over with you. Say, Lord, I've been stubborn. I've been easily offended. Lord, help me. Help me to have a tender heart that's receptive and open to you, Lord, and open to what you want to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing that song we sang earlier. You are good. Good. Oh, Lord, you are good. And as they sing, I'm going to ask if if you would be willing to pray with me today. Maybe it's to be born again, but maybe it's just you're tired of being where you are and you would ask God to give you a brand new heart, starting over fresh. I'm going to ask you just to get out of your seat. I want to pray with you. Fresh new start in your life. Let's sing it. He is good. Thank you, Lord. Would you come? Pray with me today for God to give you that brand new heart to start over again. You are
God is speaking to. You're not here yet. You're not down at the front. God is speaking to you. God is saying today, I want you to turn over. Give your heart to Him and let Him give you a new heart. Some, again, maybe you're being born again. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe for some of you, though, you need to start afresh. You need to start over again and say, God, change my hardened heart. Would you come? We're going to sing it again. I feel the Spirit of God is speaking to many more. Would you come? stubborn hard heart you know we can get stubborn sometimes and our heart can grow cold and I didn't read the verse but in Matthew 24 Jesus was describing a sign of the last days and it says in there it says many will be offended and the love of many will grow cold today while there's time while there's time would you say yes Lord I don't want to have that cold heart would you come anybody else I know I'm, I'm waiting a long time here I'm just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, help us not to have a cold heart, but Lord, help us to have a a soft, tender, receptive heart. We're praying for new heart today, just a fresh new heart. Thank you, Lord. Hear us. Hear our cry today, Lord. Hear our cry, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask all of you out there in the congregation and those who are gathered at the front, we've just gathered for one reason, that is to ask the Lord to give us a new heart, fresh new heart. No matter where you are, no matter how you long or how many years you've walked with God, our heart can grow cold. Pray out loud with me, would you? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, give me a new heart. Take out my old heart. Give me a new one, Lord. I declare Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. I declare the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of my sin. I am born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. I have a new heart. I will walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Teach me, Lord. 
to have unoffendable faith. No matter what happens, I choose you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you, I know many of you here, you're born again, and it was a recommitment. But if you're here this morning, and this is the first time you gave your heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask you if you would, would love to give you a Bible. Uh, Brother Freddie's over here. He'd like to go with you. Anybody here? Amen. Praise God. I love you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God.